Hello, everyone, and welcome to Extra Innings, the show that gives you an exclusive behind-the-scenes look and commentary on Market Scale's Welcome to the Show, a reality television series that follows the Savannah Bananas, the collegiate summer league baseball team that is changing the sport with their brand of fan-first entertainment. On this episode, we chat with Jared Orton, president of the Savannah Bananas. We get to hear from one of the head honchos at the Bananas about their thoughts on Welcome to the Show and the reception it got locally. But more importantly, we check up on what the Bananas are up to during the offseason and how they play the challenging game of keeping fans engaged when there's no baseball on the field. Orton explains the fan-first social media strategies and event planning the team pulls off during the offseason, including their renowned field of food trucks, and how it all ties into their overall message of community. Playing on that food and beverage note, we also get insight on the financial stability of their all-you-can-eat concessions and how important the food and beverage experience is to maintaining the Bananas brand and fan-first repertoire. All right, Jared, welcome back to Extra Innings. How are you doing today? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Good to have you back on the podcast. And, you know, we're sad that we are done with the Savannah Bananas now. We've released all three episodes. We we really enjoyed working with y'all and creating some really quality content. I hope you guys enjoyed all three episodes. Hopefully it uh it, it didn't shine uh, too negatively on you or, or dig up any dirt, right? No, not at all. No, I think it was outstanding. I mean, the, the feedback we got, obviously, you know, I know you guys did a ton of the interviews within the industry, but, you know, even outside the industry, people you know, watching it from different platforms and then different perspectives is, is, is always interesting as well. I mean, yes, we are a baseball team, but I think you know, there's so many different fun business, you know, things you can get out of a, you know, three episode series like this that I feel like a lot of people took away a lot of, uh, a lot of great things. So you guys killed it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, we, we definitely enjoyed putting it together. So, uh, you know, now that, the season is over. Um, you know, we're not really talking too much about fan first experiences within the stadium. You know, it's it's time for y'all to um, kind of reassess, plan, start prepping for the next uh, the next season, the next big round of creative content, whether that's on the field or whether that's branding and imaging. So, you know, what is that off season like for y'all? How do you continue to push the fan first experience forward even when there are no fans to fill the stadium you know kind of what what goes into the back end the process of making sure everything's up to date for the following season right no it, it presents a, a massive challenge for us you know we have so much engagement and content and experiences that are happening just in that 10 short weeks of the season and then it stops you know it immediately stops and it's like how do we continue to emphasize that we are about having fun you know, this fans first entertainment throughout the entire year. So we're actually working on a few things right now, you know, from a content perspective, but obviously, you know, some of the events that we've put on, you know, from a food truck festival to concerts to, you know, we're going to do a haunted stadium here in a few weeks, which will be really exciting. So there's kind of two pieces. It's how are we delivering fun, engaging, creative content that allows us to keep telling our story to fans and kind of getting them to think back. You know, remember that time we had when the when the players were dancing on the field? Remember what it was like you know, when, when the fireworks were going off after the game? Remember what it was like when the team walked off, you know, that, furry, that, that, that night against the Macon Bacon? Remember what it was like when we wore kilts that one night? So, you know, trying to get people to continue to reflect on the previous season while also then introducing some of these creative, you know, non- baseball uh, events that we're doing here in the offseason. So it's kind of twofold from the digital 
content front. And then the secondary piece is kind of those, you know, new, quirky, fun, uh, non-traditional based, non, non-traditional events. Right. And so from the digital side, I think that presents a unique challenge of keeping that same voice consistently all the time on your social feeds. Um, How do you try to make your content stand out and continue to deliver the same level of, you know, wow, giving that wow factor to all of your interactions, even some of the simplest ones? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, a big thing we're, we're struggling with right now is obviously we're, we're trying to sell things. There's no doubt that we're, we are in a business. We're trying to sell. We're trying to sell ticket packages. We're trying to sell events. We're trying to sell, you know, merchandise and we're, we're trying to sell things. And that's obviously what you have to do in a business. But We've got to really balance, all right, how are we providing fun, free, engaging content that tells a story not about, hey, look at us, look at us, look at us, but look at you. Hey, you as a fan, remember what you felt like when you were at these games in the past. Remember what it was like when you saw the kilts for the first time. Remember what it was like when you saw the players dancing for the first time, you know, and trying to invoke all those memories and, and, and things and feelings from people that, you know, they had at these games and they want to continue those great feelings and great moments and great stories and trying to explain that in the digital format where it's not always, you know, buy from us, buy from us, look at us, look, you know, all that humble bragging that we can always easily do uh, and, and, and turn the focus back towards the fans and say, you know, what was what was it in your experience? What was it like when you were here? And, and that's some things that Ben is working on, Tyler's working on, you know, really crafting that story of remember what it was like when you were coming to these games. So that's it's, it's a big challenge for us on that front uh, because we do have tons of things to sell. But, you know, I, I've been reading a, a book by Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, jab, 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 right hook. And obviously, it's, you know, kind of it's about three or four years old now, but it's still very relevant. You got to keep jabbing people with fun, free content. And then when you're ready to deliver that sales right hook, then they'll be ready to respond. Right, exactly. It's it's not only crafting those unique moments for fans to feel like, you know, they're still getting the fan first experience over uh, over social media, but also looking to make each one of those interactions you know, still deliver on the main goal here, which is, you know, yeah, we want people to have fun, but we want them to have fun in our stadium. We want them to, you know, buy our tickets, to become fans, to become paying fans. And that only happens when you're delivering authentic content that, you know, they feel like they would want to pay to see live. So it's it's sort of this this cyclical thing. You got to create good content to bring them in, but then to bring them in, you got to create good content. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right. And it's so, it's so fascinating because, you know, in our business, we are a, like I mentioned earlier, we're a 10-week business. You know, we're only open really for baseball games for 10 weeks. So how are we entertaining people online and through different channels, you know, 42 weeks out of the year, we got to be coming up with this stuff. Uh, So yeah, it's a very cyclical challenge that it's like, you know, how do you continually reinvent and craft those stories uh, where we're not, you know, just racking our heads trying to come up with new stuff. We have tons of great, you know, content and footage and, and, and moments from the season. It's just how do we maybe repurpose that and tell the story in a different way 
during the off season. Right. And I mean, hey, worst comes to worst, you have a, a reality television series you can toss <laughs> back on your Twitter. That's right. Right. We'll just keep keep chopping those episodes. Yeah, up. exactly. Um, so the next thing I wanted to hit on, and it's something that you mentioned earlier, but you know, beyond just the digital side, it's coming up with these unique fan first experiences that go beyond the stadium and continue to push your vision and your message for the team, but without there being really any baseball involved at all, which presents a unique challenge, but I think also gives you more creative freedom to try some weird, new, quirky stuff. And so a specific event I wanted to talk about was Field of Food Trucks that you guys put together on September 23rd, where... I mean, it sounds like you had a literal field of food trucks. So, you know, kind of walk me through what it was like setting up that event, why you decided to put together a, a food truck event sponsored by the Bananas, um, kind of what, what you were hoping to get out of that. Yeah, I think for us, you know, we, we hired on uh, Taylor, who's our director of events. And so as we started thinking about what do non-baseball, you know, we call non-traditional events look like here with the Bananas, you know, we've always tried to struggle with what's the identity of those. And, you know, we've tried to get back to, okay, well, what's a fans first event then? Like you mentioned, like, how are we, how are we embodying fans first year round and not just a baseball game? So, you know, for us, as, as Jesse has kind of always alluded to, it's whatever's normal do the exact opposite. So, you know, the, the food truck industry is a, is a very grinded out, you know, day to day type of industry where these food trucks are going from place to place. They might be downtown for lunch. They might be at a festival the next day. They might be at a, you know, a, a business the, the following day. So they're always moving around. But these festivals have now popped up to bring tons and tons of people together and to give them an opportunity to, to visit a food truck. The interesting part is when you go to most of these food truck festivals, you can only really buy from maybe one or two different food trucks. There might be 20 or 30 there, but you only really are going to buy from one or two things because, you know, most of the time it's 10 or 12 bucks an item. And by the time you spend 20 or 30 bucks, you know, you're pretty much out at that point. You don't want to keep buying and keep getting in line. So the opposite approach was let's take more of a beer festival approach where fans can literally sample every single one of these trucks when they come to this festival. And so that's where it kind of uh, turned into more of the all you can eat food truck festival, which is insane to think about. Like, like, why would you ever want to try to do an all-you-can-eat food festival? Um, but that's what we wanted to do. It was like, all right, what's normal about a food truck festival? And let's take the exact opposite approach. Um, and so we were sitting around and, and really came to the idea of, okay, all of our baseball games are all-you-can-eat. Why not do an all-you-can-eat food truck festival and see what happens? I mean, yeah, it's uh, it sounds like quite the experience. It's making me hungry just thinking about it. Um, and, you know, I think there's something special about food trucks compared to just having – you know, local restaurants or even just like independent chefs. I mean, who knows, like like moms and, and their favorite meals coming through and doing even though I mean, that actually sounds kind of cool. You might want to put together like a like a mom food tasting event. <laughs> I would enjoy that. But but yeah. I think there's something special about food trucks in that 
they also deliver in a strange, different way that fan first experience. You know, when you go up to the food truck, you are always getting a really unique, personal, and quirky experience. I mean, I don't think that's ever going to go away from you going up to a truck, ordering food out of it, it being prepared in the truck, and and it being typically something that you wouldn't pick up in a restaurant. It's a little more. It's a little more street food level. It's a little more niche and um, kind of representative of the community. So it's cool to see that the Savannah Bananas, which are so community focused, are putting together other events outside of their baseball scope that are also really representative of community. Right. Yeah. I mean, for us, you know, it's how do we continue to bring and elevate Grayson Stadium as a place where people want to come together and do fun things. So, you know, there was a thousand people, a little over a thousand people here for this food truck festival. And, you know, whether it's a concert or a beer festival or a pet expo or whatever it might be, how can we utilize Grayson Stadium, the Savannah Bananas, Fans First Entertainment? How can we utilize, you know, our platform as a place where people want to come together and do fun things? And, you know, they might not come to a baseball game, but oh my gosh, they're throwing a food truck festival. I'm definitely going to that. Or, you know, oh, they're doing a country music, uh, country music, you know, concert. Oh, wow. I'm definitely going to that. And, and then we get them accustomed to coming to the stadium. We get them accustomed to, to feeling that fans first experience when they come here. And now they're a part of our brand and a part of our consumer. Um, and it really is just a cool way for us to use our platform year round to bring people into our fold. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's all about getting creative with what other physical spaces you can tap into and then bring them back to Grayson Stadium. And, you know, this kind of leads me into my next point of conversation, which is still sort of related to the food trucks, but more on a, a I guess, a Grayson Stadium level on a bananas level, which would be how important do you feel the food and beverage aspect of the fan first entertainment is to the overall experience for fans? Uh, you know, whether that's the concessions that you're providing in-house, um, it, it could be the customer service there, it could be the actual food you're presenting. How do you make that side of them coming to the stadium really special? Because we've had some other people on Extra Innings, um, specifically Corey Brandt from the Sacramento River Cats, and he is the general manager of food and beverage at his team. And he really got to dive into how they are turning their concessions and turning the food that they serve at the stadium into something really special and unique, um, going as far as to have a local brewery there at the stadium, and they have beer that is dedicated to uh, you know, just their stadium. You can only get it by going to see the Sacramento River Cats play. So you know, how do y'all approach the food and beverage angle of what you do to really drive home that fan-first experience for your, uh, your paying fans? Yeah, I think you know, if you think about the food and beverage experience as a whole in professional sports and really entertainment. And, and just in general, uh, you know, the, the, the common theme has always been people feel like they get ripped off when they go to a sporting event or they go to the movie theater or they go to a theme park or wherever. And all they talk about is when they come home and they say, yeah, you know, uh, it was a great time. But, geez, the popcorn was eight dollars and the and the water bottle was six dollars and the beer was twelve. And all you hear about is the negative experience when people what, when, uh, as people have it with food and beverage. And that's just not how you want to send people home from your event every single time they come talking badly about how expensive the food and drink was. So, you know, I think it goes back to our core offering of including, you know, the all you can eat unlimited food and drink items 
with our ticket packages. You know, that's kind of how we start the start the message to people that we are not here to rip you off. We are not here to nickel and dime you. We want to add value to the product. We want to add value to your life. And when you come here and you have a ticket to one of our games, you're getting all you can eat hamburgers and hot dogs and chicken sandwiches and drinks and popcorn and all that stuff because we want to make sure that you feel that you're getting the best value possible. And then, of course, we add on the entertainment and the fun and the craziness and all that. And so that's kind of where we start our conversation with food and beverages. How do we add value to the fan? How do we add value to our offering by giving them these food and beverage items? And then secondly, you know, our biggest focus is speed. How are we, you know, quickly serving these fans and really getting them back in their seats? You know, we can only entertain them so much while they're waiting in line. You know, we can only have so many jugglers and circus acts going on in line. So if they're spending 45 minutes in line waiting for food and drink, they are not getting the best experience of the fun and entertainment and dancing and music and all that, that Tyler and Shark and Jesse and all them are providing on the field. So, you know, it is a major, major undertaking for us to make sure that we are getting people in line, out of line, back to their seats and enjoying this fun experience that we're creating. Um, we know that we can't be the best at food and beverage, but if we can do our job and get them back to enjoying the entertainment, then their experience is really hitting through the roof. Yeah. I mean, I think just providing it in essence for free, I mean, it's not really for free. They're still paying for it, but right, exactly. But, but in, I mean, it, it occupies that mental space of, okay, it's already included. You know, I don't have to feel like I'm spending more money and it's, it's really a subconscious thing. So if, if you get fans out of having to feel like, I mean, it's the same thing like when you go to Six Flags or something, you know, I'm already paying $60, $70. I don't want to also have to pay, you know, $15 for a really basic meal and this and that. Or or like when, when I go to the Renaissance Fair, often you have to pay to get in and then every single ride beyond that also costs money. So it's you end up having to budget hundreds of dollars for a night out. So it's it's interesting to, you know, combine everything, make it feel included so that even if maybe it's a little more expensive up front, you don't feel like you have to walk in and then fork over a bunch of money. And and th- and that gets me to my next point, which is how do you with including it in the price, how do you balance um, the revenue of that? Because I think a lot of stadiums, a lot of teams they get a lot of money by jacking up their prices and by having drinks and food that is, you know, traditionally more expensive. And that is a great way to just pocket some extra money when you have fans in the stadium. So how do you balance, you know, not losing money uh, on on giving them that all inclusive food pass? Yeah, certainly, you know. Uh, we actually just had a great conversation with the guy this morning from uh, a couple other minor league teams that does some catering and, and food service for other minor league teams. And he was asking the exact same question, like, how are you supposed to make this work? And we were kind of showing him some of the numbers and, and really explaining to him that, you know, we are not here to run a restaurant. You know, we are not here to really, you know, maximize every single penny on food and beverage. What we can do the best at and what we can control is our ticket sales. So if you, you know, our model is how do we guarantee 
that 4,000 people are going to show up every night? And how do we spend our time and focus and energy and enthusiasm making sure that we deliver the best ticketing experience and the best fun experience when you show up at the ballpark? Because once we get them, if we can guarantee that we get them in, we can take care of their food and drink. We can take care of the margins. If we have great food and beverage margins, but only 100 people a night are showing up, who cares if the, you know, how, however much you're charging for beer or hot dogs or hammer, it doesn't matter at that point. So our, our play is volume. So how do we get 4,000 people in this ballpark? And we know that the numbers and all that will work out at, at the end of the day, they'll, they'll take care of themselves because we focus, if our focus is guaranteeing the revenue, guaranteeing the number of people that are in the park that night, we know that we can manage the expenses and, and maximize the, the, uh, the margin on these things. But, you know, so, so frequently, a lot of teams are struggling with only a few hundred people showing up at the park. So, yeah, the, you know, you're trying to maximize and squeeze every single penny at that point uh, because you don't have enough people in the park that night. So, you know, for us, it's guaranteed revenue up front, guaranteed number of people in the park, and then just managing our expenses along the way. Yeah. I mean, it feels like everything just ends up falling back to, I mean, whether we're talking the social angle, whether we're talking the food truck events, whether we're talking putting, uh, you know, including the food in the ticket price. It all works if at the end of the day you are providing, you know, a unique and really unbeatable fan first experience because that's going to get people, it's going to get people in the park. It's going to get people to buy your tickets, become season pass holders. And you, at that point, you don't have to worry about filling up the stadium if, you know, on social media, you're interacting with your fans and you're being quirky and you're being fun. If during the off season you're cultivating that community by creating other community-centric events, if while they're there, you're not making them feel like they are being ripped off. It all, it all loops back to them just feeling like they're the most important piece of the puzzle. And then, right, and then everything just works out naturally. thousand percent. You know, we, we've always focused on, you know, what is the best possible experience for the fan showing up? And then it's our job to manage the budget and the revenue and the expenses beyond that. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't ask the fan to manage our budget for us. We shouldn't, you know, pitch, you know, all of our revenue problems all the, on them or our expense problems on them. You know, it's our job to give them the best possible experience that they could ever imagine. And then we figure out how to make it work, you know, on the back end. That's what happened with the food truck festival. You know, we didn't know how it would all work. We knew we wanted to give them the best possible experience, and we figured out the money and the expenses on the back end. It's the same thing when we started doing this all-you-can-eat model. I'll tell you, for uh, for about eight months, we had no idea how we were going to pull it off, but we knew it was going to be the best possible experience for the fan, and it was going to allow us to tell a great story, give great value, sell great ticket products, and get people excited about coming to this thing. And then it was our job to figure out how does it work, how do you execute it, how do you serve it, how do you price it, how do you you know uh, work the budget on it. And you know, for the past three years, we've been tweaking that and making sure it's the best possible outcome for everybody. Right, exactly. And uh, I think you're seeing the the benefits. You know, you you're reaping what you sowed in a very positive way. So it's it's exciting to see how y'all continue to keep this up. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else you put together during the off season to keep the community engaged. Because I think you you really have a passionate community there, and they they just can't get enough of the Savannah Bananas. So looking forward to seeing what you guys continue to do. And honestly, can't wait to see next 
next season when you uh, when y'all hit the stadium again? What is going to be new and fresh? It'll it'll it seems like it just ended, but I know it'll be here uh, in just a few weeks. It seems like. right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jared, for coming on Extra Innings and giving us some more insight into the Savannah Bananas behind the scenes. And yeah, just continuing to dig into that motto of Fan First Entertainment. My pleasure. Always enjoy talking to you guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Mm -hmm.